Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the PGP, the Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. The show about the show, the show within the show. And you can always get this on the DA Show iTunes podcast feed. Just go to Apple Podcasts or Radio.com. Or you can check us out on Stitcher, Spotify, and really anywhere else that you get your podcasts, you can listen to this PGP. Also, you can get it on our website, CBSSportsRadio.com. Now, when we began the pandemic, we tried to brainstorm some ideas about segments that might work without sports going on. This was one of them, Mothership at the Movies. I would say that now over two months, it has become one of our most popular segments that we do. And now it's fun to figure out the movies that will elicit the most emotion and reaction. And what we found, Mraz, and we've talked about this on a PGP before, is that Disney movies are kind of perfect. They hit the wheelhouse perfectly. Yes. Because there's enough sports in them. They're properly cheesy. And there's enough stuff that's just unrealistic to where you can really pick it apart. It's not trying to be so realistic. So it's kind of the perfect, it's the perfect meld, the perfect mix. And they're not that long. They're less than two hours. So you zip through them. So I think for all of those reasons, you know, doing Rookie of the Year, now the Mighty Ducks, in many ways, Major League Two kind of fit the same type of feel, even though it wasn't a Disney film, a little bit more for adults, but had the same, you know, plucky underdog, bad coaching, figure it out, and at the end of the day, the good guys win. Yeah. So 
D2, I would say, out of all of the films, elicited the most emotional reaction as a bad film from you two. I didn't hate it as much as you guys did. You and Bogish viscerally hated this movie. Would you agree? I would say yes. I, I hated it. And I'm somebody who I've seen it a ton of times, but watching it through this lens, I think I hated it more. But I, well, I'll let you continue because I think there's reason for that. Okay, so Bogish really hated it and said the final 30 minutes are inexcusable. And I actually didn't hate it, and here's why. Of course. For what it was, it creates a bit of an indelible legacy, and I like that from a cultural standpoint. You know, people refer to the knuckle puck, and they know what the knuckle puck is. It's true. And while, yes, you probably had all these famous... I say famous in air quotes, like Charlie Conway and Gordon Bombay. And, you know, these these names, Goldberg, they appear on the back of Ducks jerseys to this day that people wear as like Halloween costumes or just as a novelty jersey. So maybe that fame would have happened in the first the first movie anyway. But, you know, the second movie kind of carries it through. It makes it even more iconic because. They they were able to keep Conway. They were able to keep Bombay. They were they added Julia the Cat. They they kept Goldberg. It didn't it didn't splinter into a totally different team. And they were just kind of like looking to press the lever on a cash register. So I like that it remained consistent with the the main players in the movie as well. Uh, I agree with that, but I also think for every reason you're saying is every reason why I probably hated it because when you go back and rewatch something like the Ducks. Of all the movies we've seen, I think, so far, and they've all been good to an extent, and I think the most critically acclaimed one was probably He Got Game. All the other ones were, were what they were. But the Ducks are more of like a cultural thing, right? The, everybody knows the Mighty Ducks. You know, like that is, that is synonymous with sports movies in the 90s and growing up and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think when you go back and you watch D2, and you watch it now having those feel-good feelings of the 90s and growing up and being young, you feel almost robbed. Like, why was I duped so bad? Why? Wow, what? that's like, a really emotional on? reaction to this but, movie. But I really want to go back and I want to. Wa- and I'm not saying to do this from other of the movies. I kind of want to go back and watch Mighty Ducks one because I don't think Mighty Ducks one will come off this way. I think their reason for putting out a Mighty Ducks two and needing to find a different way than just playing in the same Pee Wee League. I get all that. Going Team USA, all that. But something about I I just feel like the same thing as Bogus mentioned. You're missing up scores. You're doing stuff that makes no sense. Like I wanted to bring this up. Like you're not really playing traditional hockey powers either. Had they been playing Sweden and Canada and the Czech Republic, I think that would have been cool. We're playing Iceland and Trinidad and Tobago. Like there were just certain things that would just kind of like throw away stuff. That when you watch it, you're like, why was this so culturally relevant? This this movie's trash. Hmm. I didn't think it was trash. Okay, what I did, maybe this is what I appreciated. It was so of the moment. It was Disney trying to capitalize on the success of D1, which spun them into an expansion team. I mean, the Mighty Ducks exist as a movie before the Mighty Ducks exist as a hockey team. They were not one and the same. And then because Mighty Ducks, the movie, was so popular, they named the hockey team that they owned, Disney owned them, the Mighty Ducks. And then they made jerseys of that era for the Mighty Ducks hockey team in real life in the NHL that they would then wear in D2 to help cross-connect and merchandise. And 
they are very clearly trying to tap into this mid-90s sense of hockey is going to become cool. It's going to become urban. It's going to become what all these young kids play. And they tap into this with the rollerblading aspect. I don't remember rollerblading being part of D1, right? D1 is just absolutely a hockey movie and ice skates. Yes. As a matter of fact, I think I had my my lines crossed because when they went skating to gather the team and they're going through Mall of America and none of the geographical parts of this make any sense that they could skate this much, but that's neither here nor there. For some reason in my head, whenever I pictured the roller skating scene, I always thought that was D1. So I, I don't think the rollerblades are part of it. And I would be interested to see, because there is a D3 DA that I think yeah. the storyline. Yeah, which I feel like if we get deep into this pandemic and we, we need another do- one, yeah, D3. Uh, and I remember D3, I believe the storyline makes more sense because they're on like a private high school team or stuff like that. I would be interested to see if the rollerblading continues or this was just a D2 kind of craze. But, uh, I mean, again, as I pointed out, their ability to get rollerblades seemingly out of thin air at every turn when they need them was very uh, something to me. Yeah, I just liked, I, I guess it's an interesting thing because the last dance has zapped me back into the 90s so intensely watching hours upon hours of these games and these teams that I remember having watched live. And now D2 did a bit of the same thing. It was like, oh, this was the moment the Mighty Ducks NHL team was cool in expansion. They had the cool jerseys with the quack goalie mask with the duck bill. And it's in D2, and then the kids are rollerblading in D2, and they're wearing the elbow pad that you would see in like a Honey Nut Cheerios commercial. <laughs> and they're they're doing all these things that they think is going to be part of the culture of the decade that kind of was, but kind of wasn't, kind of fell off. Like hockey never became that mainstream. Right. It never this became... I was going to say, this is at the time where like the flaming puck starts to get introduced. Right, and yes. And stuff like that, yes. Yes, Wayne Gretzky makes a cameo in this for really no reason, but at that point in time, Wayne Gretzky is basically carrying the flag of Sun Belt Hockey. Right. They play a bunch of schoolyard punks, kids, a very multi, multi-ethnic, diverse group of yeah. kids from South Central that are into hockey. And DA at this time, you may not remember this because I was such a ho- I was a roller hockey player, deck hockey player. I loved hockey at this time. Like that was that's why I think I loved the Mighty Ducks so much. There was games on ESPN. They really tried to make roller hockey a thing then where, like, in South mm. or Southern California, there would be games televised on ESPN. It would be like a rink where instead of, like, boards right away, it would be, almost be like Tony Hawk ramps on the side where you were able mm. to skate up them. Wow. I distinctly remember watching as a kid. And then so much so that, you know, arena, NHL arena started to get a roller, roller hockey team. Like, there was one that played at the Nassau Coliseum and stuff like this. This was all around that time. So this is why, like, yeah, the elbow pads and all that, like, that was a thing. It was, hey, if you weren't going to play there, you had room to play in a roller hockey league or play on ESPN. It was crazy. Disney thought they were tapping into this next cultural shift, and it happened for, like, two years, and then hockey never really took off. Right. Now, it's 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 still more popular today in Sunbelt areas because of Gretzky, because of expansion, than it, than it had been back then, but... They thought they were onto something that they didn't quite ever get to. And when they make this film and they make the kids from South Central who are all black and Latino totally into roller hockey and like the tough kids that teach you lessons about life, you know, they're tapping into, I guess, what they kind of hope hockey that would then become. And I don't know. I So I kind of enjoyed it from that standpoint. I will also say that, you know, 
I don't think they thought too much about the plot. I think they it's did. pretty obvious they, did. they kind of just wanted to churn through the next film because this can't be much after D1. The kids don't look that old. I agree. No, they're basically like the same age. Yeah. But I agree with you. Was it a year later that they made this film? I'd have to look. Might have been two years, but or maybe they started filming like immediately yeah. after it came out, and then it came out after that. But to your point, like they they just threw things in there that made sense to them, but they wouldn't think deep about, right? Like, uh, like perfect example. Like, okay, we need to have a reason that Elio, uh, Emilio Estevez is gathering these kids again as Gordon Bombay. Okay, well he failed to play hockey. Well, like at what age was he retrying that exact close? To the <laughs> yeah, NFL? right. Why do we not dig deep? Okay, we need to have it make sense that all of these ducks get to play for Team USA and there won't be a tryout. Like, why didn't you think then just go on the extra step and Emilio Estevez's hard stance on taking the job could have very easily been, I'm not taking the job without my guys. Like, a little right. a little subtle thing like that would have made the plot feel less lazy. Like, there were just so many of these moments yeah. along the way where you're like, this, this doesn't make sense. Like, you need this setup of burning the thing in the oil barrel. Why are we doing this in the middle of the USC campus? Why isn't this done, like, somewhere else? I mean, and why Why did we need the scene of the unsupervised players watching girls sashay out in, in outfits? Like, so bad. Right, like, what What was that? And then they make the cheesy bikini joke. Like, the, no, parts of this just, like, was so unnecessary. Yeah, there there is a there is a scene where <clears throat> because Gordon Bombay is not overseeing the team, the kids kind of go out and do their own thing, and four of them go on Rodeo Drive and they get kicked out of all of the shops on high end Rodeo Drive, and then finally Goldberg had the brilliant idea to over the intercom tell the store owner that he is the nephew of Aaron Spelling, and so they let him in, and he says, "Well, my mom's looking for an outfit," and so then. The, sh- the sh- shop owner has her three hot chicks models come out and model a lot of like dinner wear and casual wear for these four 13-year-old boys. Right, but then Disney thinks it's okay to make a bikini joke, but then yet Gordon Bombay and the Iceland girl can't go out for a beer. They have to go out for ice cream. It's like they had no <laughs> lane they were sticking with. It was so all over the place. And I just felt like the movie was basically made a year after D1 because they're like, holy crap, D1 was a success. Let's get D2 pumped out immediately. Churn it out. Get it out. Let's quickly write a script. Let's knock this thing out of the park. And let's just play this to 12-year-olds high-fiving in the movie theater. Because, like, the opening scene where the kids, all the ducks get together, they have the quack noise, they get all these guys... They're, and they're all they're all rollerblading together through the city. They're like jumping over construction sites to the point where one of the construction workers dumps wet cement on his coworker, oh. and they're like going up and under bridges. I'm like, this is basically just to make twelve year olds high five. Like, yeah, did you see that man? Nice. And like the the Bash Brothers, that they're just pounding right. on everybody. It's like, oh man, those guys are awesome. Right? Yeah, yeah. Fulton happens to find the three Hawks players that are in the park with the string, who somehow they happen to have the perfect amount of twine on them. Well, weren't they fishing? fishing? I believe they're fishing, so I think okay. that was fishing line. All right, all right. Then the Bourbon Bell asked the same thing. Oh, they just have twine. I go, well, I think they were fishing. All right, so you found something there, but ha- like Fulton, who wasn't called upon yet, happened to be in the park at that time. <laughs> yeah, guys, we got him, guys. Yeah, I'm like what? And, and these kids also, by the way, can nobody wear a Minnesota Twins hat? Like, they're wearing, like, the Hawks, like, D3 hat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, we get it. You played rec, rec hockey. This Some of this stuff was just atrocious. I thought one really kind of questionable line of the script writing was when Gordon Bombay had them all in that that uh, that 
tight group on the ice and he has them all tied together. And so they have to skate as one. And then it wasn't Julie the Cat. Who did the other female on the team? Uh, Connie Moreau. Great score. So I thought Connie was the tutor. That's not I think Connie. Con- I think no. I think they both might be Connie. Because <laughs> you said be that, and that re- sounded right. That would be really bad script writing. But okay, oh, shocking. So, but so maybe it's Connie. Wh- whoever the other girl on the team is says, "Hey, watch your hands." I'm like, "Whoa!" Oh, wow, good. That's point. saucy. A 12 or 13 year old girl saying, "Watch your hands" to the other right. boys on the team. I mean, it's basically all fart jokes that's going on throughout the entire. Movie, and then there's a watch your hands. Whoa. And also, yes, it's a watch your hands was weird, but did you notice why did I don't even know how to say this? Why did none of the other teams have females on the team? That's right? Like, true. Why was yeah. Team USA obligated to have females? And I think it was great, and it was, you know, you know, we're all intertwining here, but none of the other, like, Iceland didn't have two women on the team. No. I didn't understand that. No, no. Like, we're, no. we're just throwing that out there? Like, did, I don't know. It, some things were just weird about this movie. Very weird. <laughs> well, I generally liked it, but it <clears throat> it was a lazy, sloppy effort. There's no doubt about sure. it. Sure. It was a lazy, sloppy It's like me producing effort. a show, just very lazy and sloppy. <laughs> just mailing it in. Which does make me believe that Angels in the Outfield will be the perfect movie to review. I would agree. And I would also, I think Little Giants is another one yeah, that would probably yeah. fit a lot of those yep. qualities. So but, are we going to do, though, Talladega, Talladega Nights next? I think, look, I, this is the way I look at it. I think we have to. Number one, it's it's still a movie that I think a lot of people, if you're not going to catch up, rewatch, and have seen, you love a good Will Ferrell laugh. There are going to be moments that drive you nuts. And I do think, honestly, we owe it to NASCAR for being the first sport to come back. And if we're going to dive in and we're going to talk some NASCAR, I think we should set the tone and kind of hat tip NASCAR with a little Talladega <clears> Nights going in. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one reason for pause to doing this. One okay. one thing to watch out for. As a Will Ferrell movie, it's supposed to be slapstick and nonsensical. Right. I wonder if they won't take the sports seriously at all to where it'll be hard to really break it down because you need movies that treat the sport somewhat seriously. Yeah, but I'll, I'll just give you a quick rundown off the top of my head without rewatching and haven't seen it. John C. Riley's character constantly not understanding that he should be going to win himself. The idea that both of these guys go to the same high school and are two of the best racers. Uh, and just the racing team coaches having major issues. The French guy coming over. He's now a phenomenon. Will Ferrell's journey and road back is the best practice. Putting a Jaguar in a cat to get yourself back and race. That's what I mean. It's not serious enough. But, I mean, but this this whole bit is, can Will Ferrell be a champion again? His whole mantra is, if you're not first, you're last. Is there missteps in his career there? I, I do think there might okay. be some of that. All right. Well, I hope so, because I actually love Talladega Nights. As a movie, I find it absolutely hysterical. One of my favorite Will Ferrell movies ever. And, you know, it's, it's up there with the funniest films of that era. I just got to see because you want well, you want a film that takes the sports a little seriously, sometimes too seriously. Well, why don't we take a timeout right here, and I could just ask you this: What I can't, we're really workshopping a production meeting almost on the PGP, which I think is fine. It's the cutting room floor. We have gone out of our way to make sure we watch these movies on Tuesday to debate on Wednesday, and Wednesday's the day everybody looks forward to. We should still do it on Wednesday. What if we 
kind of made a pact, or at least me and you made a pact, where why don't we both watch Talladega Nights this weekend and give ourselves an opportunity for change on Monday or Tuesday to watch another movie. And then, worst, best case, we've watched the movie, we have our notes ready to go. Worst case, we have time to let Bogish and company know, hey, we're going to go with a different movie on Monday or Tuesday. It's a great idea, but now you're pulling into the question mark of Pete the Body. He's not going to want to watch two movies. Which is why I think me and you should take it upon ourselves. I think he usually watches them over the weekend. Oh. Don't you think? We're going to throw Pete off. Well, I mean, (laughs) I think we got to go in, but I think we also have to go in with the idea that Talladega's will be the movie. So we let Pete know that. Okay, yeah. If we let Pete know that and then we pull the ripcord, we could give Pete a pass on, hey, Pete, you don't have to go watch Angels in the Outfield or something like that. You did your homework for the week. I I just, I don't know. Personally, I think think that's fair. I think that's fair. Now, the reason I bring this up, and I know you're going to get into more D2 with with Bogues, but I I do think we're walking a fine line with Pete here. I think he's at a bit of a breaking point because I think he's... Do you think he's mad at us? I think he's mad at the world. I think Mm. he's mad at management. I think Mm. he's definitely mad at us. I I, I think he's just mad in general. He's mad at life. I'm trying not to make him mad. I... but here's the thing. It's unavoidable. No matter what you're going to make. I've clearly made Pete mad based on an email I got back today where I, I was unaware or I, I shouldn't say unaware. Jock alone was in instead of Connor Green. Connor Green's been in every other day. And we sent a topic. I'll let the audience know. We sent a topic list email or I do the night before. And I include everybody who's on the show. So we're all on the same page. And I failed to include Billy Jock alone, who's been in every Wednesday. And that's Connor Green's day off. And Pete, instead of simply seeing Jock alone, said, hey, it's Billy today, sent a, a firm paragraph about how I need to look at his schedules. It's been this way. This has been this way. This is the, You need to look at the schedule, guys. It felt like a George Steinbrenner letter he would mail out when the Yankees weren't doing well. And the only retort I'll have to that is, relax. Everybody calm down. It's okay. Well, he it's- wasn't happy earlier in the week when we, we caught him in the Gronk trap of saying, right. I don't care about right. WWE or I don't care about Gronk. And then we, we listened yeah. back to one of his previous... <laughs> WrestleMania podcasts, and he definitely did care about Gronk. He was critical that they didn't use Gronk correctly, right. and he was te- he was texting all of us individually. Who found that? Why'd you find? Like we could roll with the punches. He wasn't happy with that. He's not happy at all with the break schedules, uh, whatsoever. I know. I'm pushing it later and later, and he's not later, happy. and and then you know he's getting very annoyed. He writes break and caps in the G chat we have going yeah. on, and you could tell yeah. that really bothers him. <laughs> there's there's just a lot. There's a lot happening with Pete that I feel bad about. And then he wanted you to to do something or fix something today, tape something, and you didn't. And then for some reason he just threw out to me in my ear because because what are you go do an Instagram story about selling candles again? Like like one plus one didn't equal two, you know. And uh, look, I I want to I do feel bad. Says. Pete has been a trooper. He had to go in to Manhattan during the apex of the coronavirus while we all sat home and made fart jokes. So, yeah, Pete should be commended. But the stress of that on top of basically all rules off on those sports are going on. And I guess the lack of pride in following Pete's work and schedule making. I mean, these things, he has a resume here he's thrown at the lap that he can't take it anymore. Well, Pete is normally prickly even when we're in studio. And so now... Everything has been right. exacerbated. As quickly as you can make Pete hysterically laugh is what happened on Tuesday or Wednesday show with Schwartz and the string bean line is as quickly as you can irritate him and anger him. And I just feel like, you know, every morning life's like a box of chocolate. You don't know what Pete you're going to get. So you just that's the first glance. I look for an email and go, where, what Pete am I getting today? 
Okay, well, more on the D2 saga with Andrew Bogish on side B next. All right, welcome into side B of the PGP. It is Mraz, host of side B and the executive producer of the DA show here on a, we're taping this on a wacky Mothership at the Movies Wednesday as you just heard, D.A. and I discuss the holes in the plot lines of D2, the Mighty Ducks. D.A. loved the movie. Bogus and I, anti-movie. I think what we're learning here, Bogus, is me and you kind of have a similar taste in what we think is a good movie and what's not a good movie. And D.A.'s movie taste is all out of whack compared to ours. I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand what, what that means. How did, he, how did he like it? What was to like about it? It was ridiculous, unacceptably so, from start to finish. Yeah, we and we poked holes, and he came around to a lot of the plot line problems we had. I guess he kind of liked it for what it was, but I, I think what disappointed me the most in D2, Bogish, despite the fact that, I, you know, bad coaching, all the stuff we had fun with, is that the Mighty Ducks has such a place, I think, for me in the 90s, as far as, like, that's like warm childhood memories, that when you go back and you watch it from this microscope and, and break it down, you're like, ooh, why was this so awesome? And then I also wonder, like, was Mighty Ducks 1 like this now that I watch Mighty Ducks 2? And I, I'm totally being fooled. Or was this just a really bad sequel that got by on the merits of Mighty Ducks 1? Yeah, I'm nervous to watch the original again because I don't want to dislike it the way I disliked this movie. I mean, I was watching again last night, like shaking my head in I'm disappointment at the entirety of the Iceland game. From like plot, from technical stuff. I mean, it was just... It was like they didn't want to make the movie anymore. And like they just were like, that's well, whatever happens, happens. And they just like filmed it and put it together. And that was it. It was so bad by any account. Um, yeah, it like it definitely like spooked me that it's not it doesn't it doesn't deserve the place it holds in like pop pop culture lore. Hopefully right. the first one's okay and we can just forget that the second one that's what I even hope. exists. That's what I hope. I, I would hope that could happen, but I, I don't know, folks. Like when you watch this movie, and you get fooled by the bad sequels, I think what what bothers me, and we've seen this a lot with these other movies, like why is it so hard to have a feel good sports movie while also staying consistent with the sport? Right. Like, we we brought up obviously all the all the problems with obviously the goalie change. It creates a great theatrical moment and all of that, but like. I, like just you're blatantly skirting the rules and and making it seem like things would not be illegal. Where any kid growing up playing hockey is like, wait, you can't do that. And then they're gonna probably come with, to their coaches and go, why can't we try this? It worked in the Mighty Ducks. And then these poor coaches who get home from their normal jobs have to explain to these kids, well, that's actually illegal. What happened in the movie? I, I just I don't understand why we can't have feel good movies where we play within the rules. Is that right. is that crazy? No, and and the and like the bigger point is like sports by itself like, is dramatic. Like, how many times right. do you say, like, oh, you wouldn't even, like, Hollywood wouldn't even have scripted that? Because by, their, by themselves, they do a really good job of being inspirational and dramatic, yet Hollywood tries to over-script things. Like, there are so many ways to make that a good movie, and they made a mockery of everything. I mean, the sequence, in, in, they're, they're completely, you know, they're terribly coached. They have no, they have no, Right. I don't even know what the right word is, respect for the game. I mean, the fact that those two knuckleheads are rolling around, taking off their helmet, cheering up the crowd, climbing the glass, and, like, just play hockey. Like, you don't have to do, like, that's, like none of that happened. And then the, the roping of the Iceland player, I mean, it was just such a joke. And also, I, I again, I know you want to make the, what they're doing feel important, 
when on earth has the Junior Goodwill Games warranted that big a real crowd, that much press? Never. I mean, bro, they show a clip of the USA Today, and I sent this to you guys, where, like, the top part of the story is Bernie Kosar being released from the Browns. So they took a real, like, USA Today copy. <laughs> right. And underneath it's, like, uh, Gordon Bombay and company doing this. Like, what? And what? And they, they, like, what makes hockey the biggest sport at these Goodwill games? Enough, nothing made sense. So you mean to tell me you're in the middle, apparently, of, uh, I guess the NFL season had ended, but there's always these college basketball scores. It looked like it was around March Madness time, if you follow the newspaper clippings, and yet... The front page of the paper is going to be this Ducks team at the Junior Goodwill Games? Like, I, I mean, seriously, they, and it, they, it starts in Minnesota. It's in Minnesota. It's in the state of hockey. Like, any hockey fan will tell you how major the Minnesota, like, high school state tournament right. is. Like, that's the sequel. Like, they're a couple of years later. Now they're, they're in high school, which would be believable. They all went to basically the same school. Which, by the way, didn't they do that in D3? Isn't that what they come back and do for is D3? Is D3 that? I don't even remember. Do yeah, they, are D3, they, like, in a private D3, school? Yeah, D3 is they all go to the same private high school, and they're on this hockey team. Okay, see, now, that, that's fine. Like, the idea that, like, this, I, I couldn't believe that this was the idea. They're like, let's take this international, but let's have them be... The entire team of the of uh, for America mixing a couple of kids who have issues and try and like try and beat the world. I mean, it was just such a. Did they have like seven minutes to come up with a with a, with a script for the sequel and yeah. rush it in the theaters? It was so bad. It felt like it. It absolutely felt like it. Now we have been getting requests about you know doing stuff other than the movies and the PGP. I've seen a couple tweets. You know Uh-oh. how you guys doing a quarantine life? No, no, no. People love the movie stuff, but I do think we need to include a couple other things here. So, without D.A. here, we have to ask, D.A. now running this contest, which I think is great, he's had to switch the hashtag to tweet that meat right. from tweet your meat. I yeah. have to tell you, I did get a text from the Bourbon Bell during Sunday's show going, I mean, could anybody finally tell D.A. it was time to switch that hashtag from tweet your meat? <laughs> D.A. has now since come on and said that he had to switch the hashtag because people, just in general, were tweeting meats on the grills. I don't know, like, to, from the get-go, why would T.A. think that Tweet Your Meat in this kind of climate is a good idea for a hashtag? Your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I said it on the air. I, I was so thrown by it because I didn't want to step into some horrible Twitter vortex of meat I didn't want to see pictures of that, like, I, I kept checking his social media to make sure I was doing it correctly because Tweet Your Meat seemed ridiculous. And then when I finally posted it, I'd say the first nine responses to my picture were like, that's some hashtag. Best of luck with that hashtag. Why would you use that hashtag? I mean, right. everyone everyone knew it was, it was dicey, yes. except DA, apparently. Yes, and is he going to give out a koozie to somebody else's kielbasa? That doesn't <laughs> seem smart. Yeah, that, that's not what you're, the koozie's for. That doesn't seem smart at all. And no. now... Uh, I almost feel inclined as somebody who makes the football for the week to, like, now I need to up my game on the weekend. We have all these listeners tweeting these awesome things on the grill. I feel like I wasn't consulted, and now there's pressure on me to perform when I'm not even eligible. Yeah, I know. I know. We, I mean, we have to do something, and that's why I put my wings up over the weekend. Right. And we got we to we play along and feed the hashtag and put ourselves in some danger of, of having some gross meat thrown in our face. Oh, Yes. Now, this is, this is an uncomfortable segue, but let's segue to your daughter here, Bogus. Oh, okay. Because... That's easy. 
you uh, you brought up on the show. You were out Tuesday. You finally took a little day for yourself. Your your daughter, obviously, not being in school, you wanted to give her the great birthday she could have while we were living in these very uncertain and uncomfortable quarantine times. And you talked about the birthday parade, but you mentioned that the birthday basically went from about six thirty a.m. to nine p.m. So we we covered the parade a little bit later on. You talked about the gifts and honoring all that. I just brought up the tweet. Your meat. That means you. My guess is in your house, your daughter had the pick of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I, I'm not pretending a nine year old girl is a fat ass like I would be, and actually cares about this food. But I'm curious, the birthday meals chosen by your daughter while you were at home yesterday. Yeah, so she had, she did have the, the whole stay of the day. So she we had a I made pancakes, and they took every possible topping out of a drawer or closet. So there was peanut butter, marshmallows, chocolate chips, chocolate sprinkles. Uh, chocolate sauce, regular syrup. There was oh, nice. a bowl of fruit for fun and giggles, <laughs> I guess. Um, so we had a little pancake bar going. That's and, cool. and then for lunch, we walked to our neighborhood pizzeria, picked up a pie, came back, ate in the backyard. My parents came and sat 15 feet away from us in the backyard and watched <laughs> her open her presents from them. Uh, then the parade happened. Then we went to another parade for another little girl, came back, had dinner, she played with some friends that live up in Massachusetts. They did this like online thing, um, like a, you know, on Zoom, obviously, but they played like a, a trivia game about her that we entered the questions into. Oh, that's um, cool. And then we had cake, and then finally everyone went to sleep. And what was, so what was for dinner? Oh, well, it was Tuesday. It was Cinco de Mayo, so we had tacos. Oh, great. All right, yeah. that's a nice meal. A pancake pizza taco day yeah. is fantastic. And just, uh, just a little bit briefly, because yeah, obviously, you know, I'm only going through with a four-month-old. I think the listeners like to know this. Uh, have you found this to be become easier as the week's gone on or more hard being a parent with your kids 24-7, no school, going after school and stuff like this during quarantine? I mean, no, I mean, the, the, the weather is a huge key. I mean, I think this would be completely different if it's, the, if it's fall and winter. Right. Uh, and, you know, I'm a little nervous about all these new fears now that it's going to come back then and right. we have a whole other, oh. you know, swing, swim of this, so which is going to be sure. – that would be dicey. Um, but I know that the kids, the kids have been great. I mean, luckily for us, you know, like we have friends who have kids who like need extra help in school right now. And that's a struggle because, you know, you need, you need the infrastructure, you need the teachers. And so luckily, you know, we, we don't have that kind of extra layer to, to all of this and they're having a good time and we've got just enough grass and just enough stuff in the house to keep them occupied. So no, it's actually been, I was actually joking with a friend the other day. I mean, this is obviously a really, really bad situation for a lot of people, but in our tiny little bubble here, like where we've been having having a lot of fun, thankfully everybody's safe. Thankfully, nobody's job has been affected by this right. yet. So, no, it's been um, it's been it's been pretty good. There you go. So for all of you pounding the drum that you want some little behind-the-scenes quarantine life, I just gave you a day in the life of Andrew Bogus as a father and a father of a young lady who had her birthday celebrated during quarantine. How about that, folks? Yeah, and who had multiple nine-year-old boys make gifts for her. So we got a whole new... Whoa! Yeah, yeah, we got some issues to deal with once we can leave our house. Well, yeah, well at least right now, legally, they can't come near her. So that's... <laughs> this is true. Right? That's, that's good. All right, that'll wrap it for the PGP. You can follow Andrew Bogish. At Andrew Bogish. And you can follow me at Mraz CBS. Have a great week, everyone. We will quack you. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.